Hi, I'm Talia Baroncelli, and you're watching TheAnalysis.News. I'll shortly be joined by Paul Jay for part two of a three-part series where we'll be discussing Donald J. Trump as well as Christian nationalism. If you're in a position to donate, please do go to our website, TheAnalysis.News, hit the Donate button at the top right corner of the screen, and most importantly, get on our mailing list. If you subscribe to the mailing list, you'll get an email every time a new episode drops. And we also recommend that you go to our YouTube channel, The Analysis-News, and hit subscribe as well as the bell. The bell ensures that you'll be notified every time a new episode is released. See you in a bit. Joining me now is Paul Jay for part two of our three-part conversation. Let's speak about the prosecution of former President Donald J. Trump. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has indicted Trump for 34 different violations of New York state law. He alleges that these misdemeanors are in fact felonies as they were committed to cover up an additional crime. And in this case, the second crime uh, would be um, violating federal campaign laws. Um, so this is quite controversial, but you know some are arguing that this prosecution is far too political and that the case is actually quite weak against Trump. So what do you make of this prosecution? I personally enjoy and think it's good, mostly good, with some reservations, good for the people. When all these oligarchs fight each other, so I'm pleased as punch to see Trump prosecuted, uh, assuming he did these things, and it's, it seems like he did. A grand jury thought he did. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see him prosecuted for his role on January 6th. I'm happy to see him prosecuted uh, for you know, holding on to confidential documents. I'm also pleased as punch if they prosecute Hunter Biden, if it turns out he did something uh, corrupt. And for that matter, if President Biden's involved, well, fine. Um, I, I, the the, the uh, fighting amongst these uh, oligarchs and wealthy people who are corrupt up to their eyeballs um, is fine with me. And the as long as, you know, there is something about uh, the integrity of the uh, American institutions and legal system which is a value. Now, if you're poor and black in you know, Baltimore or much of America, uh, you don't actually have much access to institutions that have any integrity or justice. In fact, there was a DOJ report on the Baltimore Police Department just a few years ago, uh, during near the end of the Obama administration, which said that the constitutional rights of black people of Baltimore are violated every single day by the Baltimore police. So when, when, when I say the institutions, to some extent, do function, and it's, to some extent, it's a good thing, um, it doesn't mean that most people have access to that justice, because it mostly depends on how much lawyering you can afford. But that doesn't mean it, it's worthless. Uh, you know, I, I think I said in a, in a previous interview we did, there is something to preventing one small section of the oligarchs of capital seizing direct control of the state and exercising a straight kind of dictatorship, especially if that section uh, believes in 
Christian theocracy. But it would be, you know, as bad if it was a Cheney-esque Patriot Act believing in Americanism. And, you know, that could be another form of dictatorship. Um, but on the whole, uh, I'm, I'm fine, you know, go prosecute Trump and, and, and unravel this, but unravel it all the way, meaning unravel it back to what led up to January 6th, uh, which is far more important than what happened on January 6th. And people can go watch my reports, but the short of it is, uh, 10 former secretaries of defense, the former uh, com uh, Supreme Commander of NATO, and the editorial board of the Financial Times all thought on January 4th a coup was in progress. And that it's clear that that coup was people like Michael Flynn and, within the military, Christian nationalists. Now, they were able to put that down before January 6th because it seems too obvious the plan was create a shit show on January 6th, section of the military could intervene, declare martial law, uh, stop uh, Biden from getting uh, becoming president and call a new election or whatever. It didn't work. By 6 it had all fallen apart. And the, the, the person really that should be investigated here is Mitch McConnell, because when the chief of police of the Capitol Hill police asked the sergeant of arms of the Senate to bring in the National Guard the morning of the 6th, he said, well, I got to go ask my boss, Mitch McConnell. We know who his boss is because the Senate of arms reports to the majority leader, and that was McConnell. Well, they never got back to the Capitol Hill chief and they didn't call in the National Guard. So at that point, they wanted a shit fest. And, you know, I've always speculated it's because McConnell thought it would be such a disaster for Trump. He could finally rid the party of Trump. Uh, how did that work out for you, Mitch? Um, but let's be clear. Whatever Trump did, you know, even, even January 6th, lead up to, even an attempted coup, pales in comparison to the war crimes of President Bush and Vice President Cheney, and then by implication Obama for not prosecuting them. So, one, yeah, go ahead, prosecute Trump, I'm all for it. The more you guys fight, the better. Some truths, you know, when these guys fight each other, sometimes some truths come out of it. Uh, you know, leak or, or fall out of the legal cases. Some interesting case coming out of the way Dominion voting machines suing Fox. I mean, the, the hypocrisy of the Fox host. If it wasn't for that lawsuit, we wouldn't know. But all that being said, we need to make as much as we can, people shouldn't have illusions um, that this has anything to do with justice and democracy and all of this. But yeah, I'm all for prosecuting Trump. Uh, uh, he's he's done worse things than what he's done being prosecuted for in New York, but hopefully they, they he is a danger personally. He is because of the way the Christian nationalist movement and much of the uh, you know that seventy five million people that voted for him believe in a kind of metaphysical vision about him that yes he's imperfect even if he did what you say he did with Stormy Daniels, even if he was unfaithful to his wife, even if he's this and he's that. Yeah, he's narcissist, a narcissist and so on and so on. They believe that God's vehicles are imperfect because we all are imperfect. 
And so God does things in mysterious ways. So the individual figure of Trump as a person who can galvanize millions of people in spite of what they know him, about him, it's a real issue. And uh, so I, I understand why they, you know, why it's, it is of some benefit to the people to, to tie him up so much in legal cases um, that he can't, at the very least, effectively run for president. Because I think the, the danger of a Trump-led Christ, out-and-out Christian theocracy is very real. Uh, and people that diminish that threat I think are wrong, and and you know I don't think it's deliberate, but they're actually facilitating it in some ways by focusing on uh, the crimes of Biden and the Democratic Party, which are many and need to be talked about. Like I don't agree with soft selling the corporate Democrats and the role they've played in facilitating or toiling the soil for the growth of this movement this far-right movement, because if the Democrats had actually, corporate Democrats had actually given a shit about working people in states that didn't vote Democrat, um, we in all likelihood wouldn't even be seeing this. You know, if Biden had actually been the guy of the modern New Deal, which he claimed he was going to be, and really did something for working people and didn't demonize working people in all these states that believe in or have been persuaded in these far-right ideology um, and, and done more. Like, you know, you want an investment. They could have invested serious money in the public education systems of all these states. Like, I've, I've said this before, but I think it's an interesting story. You know, my kids were going to school in Baltimore and they were asked, you know, in grade one and pre-K, they were supposed to stand up for the American National Anthem. And and I went to the teacher. I told the kids, you don't have to. And I explained, you know, this flag that they want you to stand up for. The you know, Untold crimes have been committed in the name of this flag all around the world. And, and you know, you, it's your choice, but I wouldn't stand up for it. But I went to the teacher in Baltimore. And then when we moved to New York for a little while, same thing in a New York school. I said to both teachers, I said, I I've told my kids they have a choice to stand up for this national anthem and salute the flag with their you know, hand on their heart, which is like fascist to my mind. And uh, I said, you don't have to do it. And, and both teachers said to me, oh, I'm so happy to hear you say that. I, I don't even, you know, when the announcement goes on, I don't tell the kids to listen to the announcement. The announcement says stand up, so a lot of kids stand up. I don't make anybody stand up. And I, anyway, both teachers, one in Baltimore, one in elementary school in New York. Well, in much of the United States, I think, I can't prove it, but I'm, from what I read, if a teacher did that, they'd be fired. There's no way in much of Texas, and name the state, Florida now especially, and other states, if a teacher said it's okay not to salute the flag and believe in Americanism, how long would you keep your job? If the Obama administration and then the Biden administration had invested in a public education system, paid teacher, teachers properly, <clears throat> of course it's done through the states, but there's lots of ways federal money can uh, direct and influence this, and created a curriculum 
where people actually learned some science, including climate science, and didn't promote you know, crazy religious toxic nationalism, um, maybe we wouldn't be seeing this movement at the scale it is. I mean, this movement's been there since slavery. I mean, this is essentially a movement rooted in the ideas and ideology of slave owners, um, you know, that believe in white, white Christians were chosen by God to rule. And now it's, you know, the, the millionaires and multi-billionaires believe they've been, cho they've been chosen by God to rule. I mean, uh, Steve Bannon, in one speech he made to some multi-millionaires at the Vatican, he came in by Zoom to a meeting there. He said it explicitly. You've been chosen by God to be multi-millionaires, and you have a responsibility to God to support the struggle, which will be a bloody struggle, that's quoting him, against Islamism and Chinese atheistic communism. And now they're far more focused on China than anything. So, yeah, put him in jail. What was his line? Uh, about Hillary, lock her up. Yeah, lock her up. I'm all right. Hillary Clinton committed plenty of crimes. You know, hacking the Democratic National Committee. Lock her up. But lock Trump up. But let's start with locking Cheney and Bush up and others. But it isn't going to happen. But let's, let's, let's just not buy into the delusions that most of the media promotes. Yeah, Jeremy Scahill from The Intercept a few days ago, he wrote an article on exactly what you're saying, how uh, Nancy Pelosi decided not to impeach George W. Bush on those war crimes that were committed, but I think even more specifically on the, the torture that was committed under their watch all across the world. And so, yeah, it does seem like there is a very selective um, judicial system in place. That's not to say that they shouldn't go after him. I think the, the issue that I have is that if it backfires, this could have huge political consequences because if the case isn't that strong, then it does really look like a political prosecution of Trump and that could play into more support for him from his base. But I, I don't really know what to say because Alvin Bragg's case on the face of it, it looks pretty solid. But if the federal prosecutors before him, like Cyrus Vance, for example, were uh, they refused to prosecute Trump according to federal election law because they thought it just wouldn't work. So I really do wonder if Alvin Bragg uh, has anything up his sleeve with maybe with New York state law, even with the taxation and, and election law in the state, if, if maybe he can get Trump that way. And if he can't, then it's, I think, a political disaster. Well, I don't think it's a political, I, I, I don't think it's a political disaster. Uh, I think, it doesn't matter whether the case is weak or strong. The Trump base is going to believe it's politically motivated. Um, it doesn't matter. And, and there's lots of other, in theory, charges coming down the pipe, which are apparently more significant. And they will be all considered by Trump supporters as politically motivated. And to some extent, they probably are politically motivated because, you know, what isn't at this stage of things? Uh, but so what? Like I say, let them go at it. Let them. I, I just let them all rip each other's throats out. Um, let's just be clear when we're talking to people uh, that we don't fall into 
the Trump is the devil argument any more than Trump is God's vehicle argument. He's neither. He's part of a very corrupt system that has its roots. And this is the most important thing we need to say, which no one ever says, maybe ever on mainstream media. This is about how stuff is owned. It's about who owns stuff and the power that comes from that ownership. It's about concentration of monopoly ownership, particularly in the financial sector, that now owns the entire stock exchange, essentially. What I mean by that, the big asset management companies like BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street and others, they essentially own a controlling interest in terms of shares they get to vote of virtually every company on the stock exchange. So the concentration of power in the financial sector, that's the, the underlying root of this and, and, and the amount of corruption that surrounds that. I mean, remember in the subprime mortgage, these banks couldn't find the mortgage documents and hired companies to have uh, automatic signatures on phony mortgage papers to then go to court to foreclose on people. Complete fraud. Who went to jail for that? Because the power of the financial sector is such that nobody holds them accountable. So sure, hold Trump accountable. Let's hold Hunter accountable. But let, how about we hold the real lords of finance accountable? Because that's the underlying problem that breeds such corruption. And Trump is just a, he's a sub, little subset of that. You know, his wheeling and dealing in real estate in New York. It's all within this culture of, of corruption of the financial sector. So when we talk to people about this, like I don't get into the weeds on whether this case against Trump it's good or bad, or it's going to succeed or not succeed. I have no idea. And, and, and I, don't, I don't think it's any great tragedy electorally. I don't think anybody who, because of that case, is going to start voting for Trump that wasn't going to vote for him anyway. Um, if he gets in enough legal jeopardy with all these cases, and it's starting to look that way, maybe the far-right donors who made Trump possible and, uh, you know, the Mercers, and there's a whole list of them, uh, the Koch brothers, you know, they didn't love Trump, but eventually they certainly supported Pence and, and a lot of the other far right stuff. You know, if the far right donors decide they've had enough of this guy, um, which it's sounding that way, uh, they may bury him in a way that he maybe even legally can't run. Maybe some of these cases, some of the outcome might be he won't be allowed to run. I don't know, but but I know one thing is that the majority of the corporate elites had didn't want Trump anymore, and and the evidence for that is another thing I reported on uh, on January sixth uh, in my pieces that YouTube kept taking down. But it's a point that was in the press and then disappeared. Um, the uh, Doors of Capitol Hill are stormed at 2.10 in the afternoon on January 6th. At 3.10 in the afternoon, the Association of American Manufacturers issue a press release calling on Vice President Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove Trump from office. 
Now, this is the corporate lobbying group that was probably the largest, most important supporter of Trump for four years, who got everything they wanted on their bucket list, I mean, in terms of deregulation and lowering of taxes. They loved his policies, but they thought he lost his mind. Not to have a peaceful transition of power to Biden, who the corporate powers knew they could live with, you know, even if there were some policies they didn't like, to, to have a, a, essentially a coup would be bad for business. And so they call for his overthrow on January 6th. So the, the majority of the elites don't want him back. They want him buried. They want Trump without Trump. You know, they want the policies. They don't want the madman. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, there was a time where the uh, German oligarchs had decided Hitler was uncontrollable, even though they brought him to power. You know, there was a point, I think it was in 1931, 32, where the Nazi party was bankrupt. And they went to the Krupps and some others, and they came in and rescued them financially and, and really made the rise of Hitler possible. Uh, there are, is quite a few far-right uh, billionaires out there who aren't on the same page as the financial sector, who seems like they really believe in Christian theocracy and, and, and the God-given mission, their God-given mission. Um, and, and they have a lot of money. And the system is very irrational. And, and the institutions are very contradictory. And even in the FBI, apparently, there's a lot of support for Christian nationalism. Certainly in all the local police forces, Trump has a lot of support. And, you know, people who study this, like Mikey Weinstein, he thinks as much as 30% of the military uh, could be Christian nationalists. And the, the uh, Christian nationalists are actively, actively recruiting in the military, using chaplains. Uh, I, I'm told that perhaps a majority of chaplains now in the army are Christian nationalists. And then the other thing that just doesn't get talked about is Opus Dei, the far right of the Catholic Church, who are trying to overthrow Pope Francis. But Steve Bannon's connected to Opus Dei. And I interviewed Joe Wilson a couple of months before he died. He was the American ambassador. He's the guy who discovered yellow cake in Niger was bullshit. And the husband of Valerie Plame who the, uh, was outed by these neocons when she was in the CIA. And he thought at least half the Supreme Court were directly Opus Dei. Much of the uh, congressional leadership, Opus Dei. And then there's something called the family, which is Christian nationalist which has hosted every presidential breakfast since Eisenhower until very recently, apparently now the last one, they're going to change that they don't direct, the Christian nationalists don't host the presidential breakfast. So this issue of Christian nationalism is a really serious issue that need, needs to be addressed. And it's a complicated fight because sections of the financial sector, which are venal neoliberal predators don't like Christian nationalists. 
So it's an interesting, weird contradiction for ordinary, for working people and others, the progressives, that the Biden corporate types who are connected to this financial sector do, I think, want to stop Christian nationalists from coming and establishing a handmaid's tale Christian nationalist dictatorship. So it's a good thing to stop them. On the other hand, we can't create illusions about the corporate Democrats and the financial sector. And we need to organize, you know, to have an independent people's movement within, you know, within what's possible when you're living in the heartland of such wealth of, of imperialism. And you, know, you can see out during the pandemic how much money they can throw at people when they need to. So it's a complicated situation, and I, I, the best we can do right now is, you know, tell the whole truth of the situation. With regards to the prosecution of Trump, you're saying we shouldn't take oligarchic sides, but you were at one point advocating that we vote or that Americans vote for Biden over Trump. So what would you say to that now? Well, I'd say the same thing now. Um, I think, as I said at the time, we have to tell people the, the whole truth as we know it. Um, and I, I, th I thought and still think that as dangerous as the Biden foreign policy is on Ukraine and the provocations on, on Taiwan, um, and again, just to remind everybody, this is not in any way to excuse the Russian invasion. Uh, they, are the, they are the primary villain of the peace. Uh, but it's within a context and a world managed by another villain of the piece, which is the American oligarchs and so on. But, um, and this is where it gets a bit complicated, but while it's possible, not for sure, that a Trump administration maybe wouldn't have been quite as provocative uh, over Ukraine um, as uh, Biden was, um, I don't think that the reason Russia invaded was because of American provocations. I think, in fact, the blame on the Biden administration is more since the invasion of stoking it and, and not pushing to end it. And from what I can see of arms sales, the uh, American arms sales to Ukraine were not significantly higher until after the invasion and in the year leading up to the invasion there was an increase but actually the the president who actually started sending lethal aid to ukraine was trump and obama had been against it uh, obama had sent aid but he said no lethal aid and then trump did send lethal aid although he screwed around with it you know trying to blackmail or pressure Zelensky to give information on Hunter Biden and so on and so on. But in fact, it was Trump that sent the lethal aid. And, and I doubt very much that Trump would have bucked uh, the arms manufacturers and so on and the whole state. But whatever, let's, let's say maybe Trump may have been slightly more mitigated on the invasion. And, and the reason he might have been is because he's a Christian nationalist, uh, certainly supported by Christian nationalists, and they see Putin as a Christian nationalist. And so there's a there's a section of the of the far right, even in in Congress, who don't want so much aid going to Ukraine and would like to dial back the tension with Russia. And I think it's because 
like I say, they're Christian nationalists. They, they see Putin as a great defender of white Christians in Russia. Um, and, and, and in a weird way, there might be a little positive in that if they put some pressure uh, on the Biden administration not to be so gung-ho about the war. But, and this is a big but, what the Christian nationalists are focused on, and again, to quote Steve Bannon, is a bloody struggle with China. They are not peaceniks. And just because they may not be quite as aggressive uh, towards the Putin administration, which, which is a mixed blessing for sure, uh, because they may actually support some of Putin's, uh, what some people call imperial ambitions, um, if, he, if he's spreading the white Christian culture that they like. But they're very dangerous uh, on, on Taiwan and China. You can see right now uh, the Speaker of the House was just meeting with the President of Taiwan. Um, and the language from the far right on China is even more ingress aggressive than Biden's. And Biden's uh, language and actions um, have been far more aggressive than, than he certainly promised in the election campaign. But a lot of him doing it is because he can't, he doesn't want to be accused of being weak on China, weak on communism. And, and I think they're a bit caught because I think in terms of corporate interest that the Democrats represent, you know, the apples of this world and the finance sector, like BlackRock increased its investments in China, created a big index fund on the Chinese stock exchange. Uh, a lot of the corporate masters of the Democratic Party uh, don't want it to get so heated with China. Um, but electorally, Biden is afraid of this looking weak on China stuff. So he, you know, he, he keeps up the pressure. So, so the, the issue of the elections is like, what's more dangerous in, in terms of having to decide in the election? So the position I took at the last election, I would take again if the election was today and Trump was the candidate or DeSantis or somebody else of that mold, even Pence, um, is to tell the truth about the corporate Democrats. Don't create illusions about what Biden is. And, you know, I don't agree with Bernie Sanders, even though if some of the legislation that they've been able to pass domestically, I saw him on TV the other day on one of the late night talk shows. And he went on about Biden's achievements. And, you know, if I was a senator, maybe I'd do the same thing. And, you know, he plays that inside electoral game. But he he did say at one point the problem in the United States is the American oligarchs. And you can't not talk about Biden's role in supporting that system of American oligarchy. So I, I, I advocate you know telling the truth. But part of that truth is Christian nationalism, a Christian theocracy, is even more dangerous. And look at what's going on in Florida. You know, the kind of legislation DeSantis is passing uh, to restrict uh, not just women's reproductive rights, but uh, education, uh, anti-science, anti-climate. I mean, this is what a, a Christian theocracy will look like and, and worse. Uh, you know, talking about a real dictator, theocratic dictatorship. And, and the Demo corporate Dems, uh, one, the finance sector, aren't on the whole Christian nationalists. 
they don't want that kind of far-right culture themselves. A lot of them live in New York, and their kids go to school there, and their wives, you know, work and live there, and, you know, they don't believe, they don't buy into these Christian far-right social values, and, although they see no contradiction, uh, you know, being so predatory. But still, they do want to push back. And so, you know, for working people, ordinary people, there is a real immediate threat. Uh, like I told you the example before about the uh, DOJ investigation of the Baltimore police force found that every single day police violated their rights. And there was a, an agreement between the police and the Department of Justice about things they had to do to reform. I don't know if it worked or not. But when Trump was elected, he got rid of all of that. They did, you know, all these consent decrees and things where they were trying to mitigate the violence, not eliminate it, because, again, the finance sector, corporate Dems, uh, they want a certain amount of violence from the police against poor people, especially poor people of color, because they don't want to change a system where they get so much cheap labor out of these places. I mean, Baltimore, one of the driving things of all these institutions in Baltimore is they have access to such cheap labor in the poor black working class. So there's no good guys when you're talking about the oligarchy, but it doesn't mean you don't and shouldn't make choices in, in tactically, strategically. For, for example, if there was somebody running for senator who was a right-wing libertarian anti-interventionist, including China, like didn't want to provoke war, I might support that person over some corporate Democrat. Now, I probably would choose a progressive Dem who also was anti-war, but it was a choice between a corporate Dem and a legitimately, and I, as far as I know, I would say Ron Paul, I don't know about Rand Paul, but Ron Paul seems like a fairly consistent anti-interventionist. I might, I might support that person over a corporate Democrat. Right, but he has all sorts of ties to corporations as well, right? So, oh, yeah. I, so. I, 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 none of them are good guys. This isn't a morality play. This is a straight tactical decision on how to avoid war and... And, and how to avoid a full-out Christian dictatorship. Um, of course, the most important thing is to try to elect progressives who are both anti-war and anti-corporate. And, you know, that's a whole other argument. At the moment, I think in most elections, it has to be done through the Democratic Party and primaries. But anyway, you can, that's a separate argument. But um, in terms of the overall scheme of things, Right now, the Democratic Party is pursuing a very dangerous path in Ukraine. Um, but they are seeming like they will contain it short of nuclear war, meaning, for example, and this is where Hillary Clinton's out of her mind, the no-fly zone. At least Biden said no to a no-fly zone. Um, he seemed to slow down the issue on the tanks. Um, he seems to want to contain this in a way that the Ukrainians don't lose, but they don't have a complete all-out humiliating Putin defeat, although maybe he wouldn't mind a slower one if it implodes on the Russian side. Um, 
But I don't think Biden would take things as provocatively over a line with China, even though rhetorically he's coming very close. But, you know, I just saw Tesla just opened up a big battery uh, factory in Shanghai. Big, big, big investment. And they already have a big Tesla manufacturing plant. Apple announced, even though they're pushing more manufacturing into India, they also announced a big expansion of uh, Apple products being made in China. I, I think I may have mentioned this before. BlackRock uh, just expanded their investment into uh, uh, Chinese asset management and stock exchange and so on. So the, the American ruling elites don't want to get into some you know, real conflict with China. And it's not part of their ideology to do so. It is in their interest both to stoke arms sales to Taiwan, because Taiwan has a lot of money. So when they sell arms to Taiwan, it's not like some other places. They're actually getting paid for them from, by Taiwan. They're not just giving them. And the, uh, uh, the geopolitical interest in defending Taiwan is very at the core of American foreign policy going back to right after World War II. In fact, Eisenhower, this is part of the film I'm doing with Ellsberg. Uh, we have some of the documents for this. Eisenhower authorized the Joint Chiefs of Staff in 1958. If they couldn't hold Taiwan through conventional power, he authorized them to use nuclear weapons against China in 1958. They had, it actually, they could have, it was up to them. He said, I'm authorizing it. If you need them, use them. And there's actually minutes of a meeting of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which Ellsberg had. So, the, and why? And, and, the, and the, one of the Joint Chiefs says it. it it's the craziest conversation in, in the minutes of this meeting. One, one guy says, one of the generals says, Eisenhower has authorized the use of nuclear weapons if we can't defend this place with conventional. And another general says, why? And the first one says, because our prestige and the perception, perception of our power in Asia will be so diminished if we have to give up on Taiwan. And another guy says, another general says, well, what if the, won't the Russians retaliate? retaliate? And he says, well, probably. They'll probably nuke Taiwan. And the guy says, yeah, probably. Well, then we're going to have to respond to that. And the guy says, yeah, well, isn't that nuclear war, all-out nuclear war? And the guy says, well, it might be, but the alternative is worse. Losing prestige and authority in Asia is worse than nuclear war. Which goes back to this issue of how Kennedy wanted to avoid humiliation, risking nuclear war blockading Cuba. It was, the, the risk of losing in his election by being humiliated, you know, nuclear war was going to be not as bad. So there's a crazy, crazy shit, and this is built also into the uh, mindset of Democratic Party cold warriors and, and, and neocons, that many of them who are anti-Trump, merged with the Democratic Party, like Bill Kristol and others. All that said, um, there's no imminent threat of China invading Taiwan. And if the Americans would sh shut the F up about it and start stop provoking but they don't want to look on weak on China, so you know Pelosi goes. Even Biden people thought and said it was stupid for her to go. 
But the Trump camp is very, very anti-Chinese, and it's very part of their ideology and faith base that China is this uh, atheistic uh, monster, um, and it's part of America's destiny to go to war with it. And that this American four-star general, Mike Mahan, head of Air Mobility Command with 50,000 service members and 500 planes under his control, said just recently, quote, we're going to be at war with China in 2025. And he told his troops to get your affairs in order, end quote, meaning get your wills ready and get ready to fight to kill the enemy, he says. He, he actually says killing your enemy makes your life better. It will make you happier. He actually said this shit. And, and, no, and he didn't get removed from his position because, you know, Flynn's brother is one of the more senior uh, commanders. General Flynn, who worked with Trump on the coup, is one of the main commanders in the Pacific. So it's a very complicated, dangerous situation. But um, I don't think corporate Dems, meaning the financial sector, who to a large extent they represent, Two, they do care about the urban vote. It's the only way they get elected. And the urban vote is primarily anti-war, although it's a little split on the Ukraine thing. Um, but certainly don't want a war with China. So I think it's, it's far less likely the Democrats will provoke things to a point that there's actual military conflict with China. Where I think if the Christian nationalists get involved, um, while their main objective is Christian nationalism in the United States, um, they might find a much more serious, even some kind of fighting with China, help that process. You know, you know, declare martial law because of war with China. Uh, start rounding up anyone that speaks against Christian nationalism and the war with China. It's a more dangerous situation. So, yes, I would still say better the corporate Dems than Trumpists and the far right, but better not the corporate Dems either. Better organize, elect progressives, and, and defeat, maybe split the Democratic Party so that you get an actual progressive party that emerges and especially get ready for when the financial house of cards called the financial architecture, global architecture, when that house of cards falls, and likely it will, like it did in 07, 08, but in all likelihood worse. And then tens and you know millions of people are unemployed. And then people are, are, are really angry and ready to do something. Well, then we better be ready for it, because if we're not, the far right will be. Well, it was great to speak about Christian nationalism with you and prosecution of Trump. And thank you for watching theanalysis.news. If you'd like to donate to the show, you can go to theanalysis.news and hit the donate button at the top right corner of the screen. Most importantly, please do sign up for our newsletter. That way you'll receive an email every time a new episode is released. And you can also go to our YouTube channel, theanalysis-news. Hit the subscribe button and hit the bell and then click on all so that you'll be notified every time an episode drops on YouTube. See you next time.